Hey guys, it's time for Heavy Revy. Just got back from the gym, gotta get some protein in there. And it's a hard, it's a hard day and I'm not sure what's happening there. Try to get that taken care of. That's driving me nuts. Okay, so we are on our second Heavy Revy uh, study. And we are in Revelation 5, 1 through 3. You may hear weird noises in the background. And I think my father-in-law has some new um, guitar situation going on. And uh, so if you hear wah-wah-wahs and things like that, I just apologize in advance. Okay, so in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says... I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel with a, who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Okay, so this scroll sealed with seven uh, seals in his right hand, um, is, which is a symbol of power and authority, uh, it needs to be handed to someone. So an angel shouts who is worthy, and John notices that no one, whether it's under the earth, which would be where uh, Hades is, whether it's on the earth or whether it is in heaven, no one is able to take the scroll. The word worthy is, quote, pertaining to having a relatively high degree of comparable merit or worth, worthy, comparable, of comparable value, and worthily. Uh, so basically, the things that are in the scroll pertain to Things that are going to happen on the earth. So there is a, um, uh, a situation here where God gave man the earth to steward. That's in Psalm 115. Therefore, only a man has the ability to legislate the affairs through prayer and faith and action and deed on the earth, whether it's good or bad. I mean, if it's good, because uh, Christians are expanding the kingdom, that's great. If it's bad because people are under the influence of demonic spirits, you know, it doesn't matter. Man was given the role of stewarding the earth. And that's why it's so important for God's people to be active in the seven spheres of society. And uh, so it had to be a man, but it could not be a man that had sin because that would negate being worthy. There would not be anyone that could open that scroll if they uh, were born as a normal human being. And then, of course, enter stage right, Jesus, okay? So, of comparable value, merit, or worth also means that whoever opened the scroll had to be in the same equal footing as Father, okay? So, in Revelation 4 through, or chapter 5, 4 through 5, it says, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said, stop weeping. Look, 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory and he is worthy to open the scroll and its uh, seven seals. This reminds me, let me get my, my Bible out here. Oh, now I'm crooked. Okay, in Philippians, I think it's chapter four. It says, no, it's chapter two. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So what that means is that pre-being born as a human, Jesus and Father discussed their plan to save us because we did not ask to be born as sinners. Uh, we had nothing to do with Adam and Eve's um, decision, but we couldn't save ourselves because it wasn't in our nature. We were born after Adam's nature, and that's in Genesis 5.3. So they came up with a plan before the foundation of the world in which God would become man. So in this plan, Jesus did not consider his, his equality as part of the Godhead something to hold on to. In other words, he was willing to lay it to the side and become one of us in order to restore that which was lost. And that is the nature of God, the communion of God, etc., and so he's saying that he is worthy or he is equal uh, to the Father. Therefore, he is able to open the scroll. But on the other aspect, because he became man, he also has the legal authority to open the scroll concerning events on the earth. Okay? So it's very, very interesting that God will confine himself within the boundaries he has set. He will not break his word. And so if he gave the earth to humans to steward, then it required a human to die without sin, to be resurrected and to make a whole new race, which are all those that are born again, because we now have his nature on the inside of us. So we are kingdom citizens and we are a, a people that his nature will continue to expand and overflow into all aspects of our being, our thinking, decisions, behavior, emotions, etc. The more we can look like him before we either die or he returns, the better. So that's why being in the word, etc. is so important. Um, now, this is my opinion. Uh, but he says, or... I feel from what John shares in this book that he's seeing the end of the age, but there's also a semblance of what Daniel saw. Um, and the fact that he's bitterly weeping because he couldn't find or see anyone that could open the scroll, it reveals this longing in him for the return of Jesus. 
you know, a lot of us, and I can say myself included, especially if you have a good life and you have a family you love and people you love and you're doing work you enjoy and you feel like you're making an impact in society, if we're not careful, those good things can overshadow a longing for the return of the Lord. And I feel that before the end of the age, we know that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all uh, of the earth. But there's also, I believe, going to be a revival of the the doctrine of the resurrection and eternal eternity and the return of the Lord, which is the gospel of the kingdom, by the way. And uh, there'll be this, this renewing in our hearts that will cause a longing for the Lord to return and that the birth pangs and the shaking, it's absolutely fine. Let's get this thing done. Let's get him back. We're going to need that because, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit interesting at the end of the age, right? So we need to have that in place and to understand that there is an eternal factor to all of us. And we need to think in terms of eternity, not just the present. And uh, so he, he wept bitterly because he longs for his appearing and you know, maybe he didn't know what was in the scroll. <laughs> Once he found out, he might be like, whoa, hold up, hold up. You know, I don't know if I want all that to happen. But the word wet bitterly means that he wailed with a lot of noise and of a large quantity. So John broke down and he is well wailing loudly. So one of the elders is like, stop that. You know, he said, look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's worthy. Hello, where have you been? You walked with them, you know. So he looked at, at the lion of the tribe of Judah who has won the victory and he is the heir to the throne of David that was established. Now, these are important announcements. So let me break them down. The word look means to pay attention. Now, the lesson for us in this is that what first appeared to be a disaster is actually the very place God is about to move. I mean, if I was like in a, you know, a ministry, ministry setting, I'd be like, can I get an amen? You know, it's like when we look at disasters, we have got to have the perspective of the, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the things I always do is, Holy Spirit, what is your perspective? So, for example, last night I was having my Jesus time. And I had taught not long ago on Hebrews chapter 12, which refers to the shaking, that yet once more God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And, and Paul calls this a promise, and a promise is a good thing. So I was like, oh my goodness, I've always viewed that as something negative. It's a good thing. Well, I was in Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, and it's talking about that shaking. But here's what's interesting so it uses very similar words referring to the shaking. Then it says, so that the nations will hand their treasuries over to the people of God. I mean, that's a good thing. The shaking where the transfer of wealth for those that have prepared, for those that see where the wealth is transferring from, the sectors, the industries, the nations, etc. Those that are watching these things, the shaking will actually produce a transfer of wealth. You know, people think it's just going to fall in your lap. No, you have to have wisdom. Wisdom is required for wealth. And so 
That's an interesting thing. Well, here you have John who is wailing loudly because no one can open the scroll because he knows that scroll is tied to his Lord returning. And the very thing that he thinks is a disaster, it's like, no, this is the opportunity. This is where God is about to move. So we have to cooperate with the move of God. But if there's anything going in your life that seems heavy or that seems like it's a disaster, you have to look for the opportunity. You have to look where God is moving. That's why we can be thankful no matter what is going on. And it's, of course, the Romans 8.28 principle. The second thing is that the elder points out and boldly asserts that what John is seeing is the restoration of the Davidic uh, throne and the tabernacle of David in its fullness on the earth. And, and there's uh, Acts 15 that talks about that a lot. So the, the, the events that are preceding that finalization and the return of the Lord are what are about to be revealed. And personally, I believe that these are the things that Daniel was told to keep hidden uh, in Daniel 12.4. So Daniel saw what John saw, but the in-between parts, John is about to get, he's about to reveal, but there were even some things that John was told to keep secret that will be revealed at the end of the age. Also, he won the victory. So what was the victory? The victory was over temptation, sin, and death. So note that, you know, a lot of people get this confused when uh, in Luke 19, Jesus says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not who, that. Now, obviously, people are involved, um, but it's a reference to an entity, event, or state. Now, for some reason, the New Living Translation puts those, but that is not the word that's used here. The event or state is that he is referring to is the God nature that was lost in the garden is being restored. And that act of restoring the God nature in the people of God will then restore the earth to what it was intended to be. That's why creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God, which, by the way, is a public adoption ceremony. Um, that the Romans would uh, take their adopted children through. So you would have a private adoption with close family members, which would be our born-again experience. And then there would be a public adoption ceremony, which will be our resurrection, our transformation into the eternal. And so everything that was lost, justice, peace, the um, earth degrading and decaying, uh, the corruption, everything that um, we lost, the Lord came to restore all that is good, uh, all that was shalom. But like I said, he had to do it as a man or the enemy would cry foul. And then, of course, you know, we looked at the equal value to open up the scroll, um, which shows us that Jesus is of equal uh, as a God man to the Father. Okay, so in uh, verses six or seven, it says, then I saw a lamb. So look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when John looks, he sees a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. And it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the four, 24 elders. He had, excuse me, seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. 
he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. Now notice that the location that the Holy Spirit is, is the earth. So at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out into the people of God on the earth. So he has not yet been called back to his place on the throne. He is still in the earth. So the lamb, the fact that he is a lamb to John in this moment is again that legality aspect that as the lamb of God, he has the legal jurisdiction in both heaven and earth to open the scroll. Okay. And, uh, I love that. I mean, to me, it's just, it's really, really neat. Uh, and there, and there's so much at, at stake, you know, uh, and I'm so glad that he did everything that he did. Uh, so in verses eight through 10, it says that when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had gold bowls filled with incense, which are, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. Now, a similar scene was seen by Daniel. You know, we did a whole Daniel Company series as a, a preview, a prequel to uh, the Heavy Revy series. But in Daniel 7.10, it says, A river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were open. So what we're seeing here in Revelation uh, 4 and 5 is the court is being called into session. So the, the end of the age is is speedily, quickly approaching. And it's now time because of the 24-7 prayers of the saints. Uh, it's now time for the court to be called in session and the judgments, the decisions for or against um, to be made. Okay? So that's very, very important to understand. Um, and because he reigns, we reign, we are a kingdom of, of priests. And, and of course, the original mandate was to Israel. Um, but instead, they kept a lot of the goodness of God amongst themselves instead of going out and evangelizing the nations. That was actually part of their call. But they sequestered themselves. And I feel that the church has made the same mistake, that we are called to go out. And instead, we've sequestered ourselves within our culture and church walls and Christian friends, and we've not gone out and kept ourselves pure while at the same time bringing the gospel of the kingdom with signs and wonders, building that trust currency, being influencers to influencers, having the ear of kings, influencing cities, uh, counties, states, and even nations. So we, that that's going to happen before he returns. Um, and it's detrimental because our influence in a nation actually determines if that nation is sheep or goat. And, and so we, we have to make sure that we are operating in our lane. We're operating in our gift and skill set because that will naturally put us before kings. According to Proverbs, your, your gift will bring you before kings. So there's a preparation process. Don't despise small beginnings. 
et cetera, et cetera. But we need to think outside the box. There's a lot of boxes that we've placed God in and also ourselves. So we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. We're supposed to expand the kingdom of God to where it gradually crushes and consumes all other kingdoms. I believe that's in Daniel 2, uh, chapter, uh, verse 44, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, so disciples, Christ followers, we are now a kingdom of priests and the phrase will reign is actually translated. They are reigning that better aligns with Psalm 110. It says the Lord said to my Lord. So Yahweh said to, I believe that's Adonai. Um, it might be Elohim set at my right hand till I make your enemies, your footstool. So we know that the father is handing the scroll to his right. He's got his right hand to the right side of him where Christ is seated in heavenly places where every spiritual blessing is. And so he's saying, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. The way he rules on earth in this moment through um, uh in the midst of his enemies is through us. So that's our job. We're supposed to execute the kingdom domain and laws in the earth. But there is coming a day where he will return physically. But it's now and then. that That's the kingdom. So when we go back to the phrase will reign, it's actually they are reigning. So we out we are his rule on the earth. And then... In verses 3 through 7, it says, your people shall be volunteers. Anybody ever have a rough time following volunteers or finding volunteers? Uh, in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of morning, you have the dew of your youth. And the Lord has sworn and he will not relent. You are a, a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink by the brook of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift his head. In other words, he's killed so many people. He's got to stop and refresh himself. But this is basically talking about his return. We know that when he returns, he's going to kill his enemies. And there will be so many of them that the blood will reach the bridle of his horse and his robes will look like he's been treading a, a wine press. So the lion is returning and he's going to take care of business, as my dad used to say. Uh, so we're ruling right now and then we will be volunteers when he returns and we will help him establish his kingdom, which will probably also mean dealing with people. Now notice in verse 8 that each of the elders had a harp, they had gold bowls filled with incense. Actually, was that the, um, hang on, I need to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Um, yeah, the elders, okay, because sometimes you see angels that have them. Um, so the gold bowls filled with incense are the prayers of God's people. So the incense purifies the prayers. The harps represent worship. So our prayers are actually collected in gold bowls and those prayers, specific prayers, are about to launch the events prophesied in Daniel and the events that John sees.
So in 11 through 14, it says, And I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. So, uh, next week, we're going to get into the open seals. Um, and like I said, the book of Revelation is laid out in which John sees a series of seals or bowls or trumpets or whatever. He sees them released. And then there's a BTS deal, a behind the scenes of the spiritual things that are going on uh, that's behind the earthly events, I guess you would say. So it's like he sees things and then a BTS, and then he sees things and then a BTS. And like I said, you can pinpoint where the catching away of the saints is. It is not hard. And uh, and I think some people will be surprised. So um, on another note, I was going to um, do my urgent education last Saturday. We had a a music festival that I was a social media manager for, and it was a, a very busy week. Plus, I started feeling bad, so I've been resisting that, and, um, and I didn't get to it. But, guys, I love the urgent education work, so my plan is tomorrow. Um, I really want to get that nailed down. Um, I took a staycation the first week of April, and uh I tightened up my schedule a little bit as far as my work, so hopefully I'll be able to get it. Um, but anyway, so that's why I didn't have an urgent education last week. The Clovis Music Festival was a blowout. It was awesome, the uh, um, record-breaking, so um, God is good. We, It's neat. The people I work with in these events, they're Christians. We pray over everything, um, and we just have a great time working together. And, uh, you know, here it is for the community, not just in the four walls of the church. So, um, anyway, it's fun. It's fun. But, uh, so hopefully I'll see you guys tomorrow or Saturday with urgent education. All right. Have a good evening and I will talk to you guys soon.